Before we get started with today's show, I just wanted to tell you about the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out We Are Southampton on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page, has been a supporter of the show since the beginning. He designed the logo and created the logo. He's been a guest on the show, and I can't thank him enough for all of the support he has given me. So be sure to check out We Are Southampton on Instagram. And uh, also a quick shout out to Chris Rand, who runs GeorgeWearsCousin.com uh, for suggesting the theme music based on uh, my recent travels. So a little different, but I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson, and whether you are a first-time listener or a long-time subscriber, thanks for making the show part of your day. If you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to our feed in iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with us online on Twitter at SFCDELL underscore IVERY or Facebook.com forward slash SFCDelivery. Please send us any feedback or suggestions that you have. I always look forward to reading your comments and interacting with each of you. Uh, on today's show, uh, I'm back home. I am sitting in my office. I'm watching the sunrise. It is looking like it's going to be a beautiful day outside. I hope it's that way wherever you are. Although if I keep messing around with this episode, by the time it gets to some of you, it will be nighttime. So I apologize for that. But I am officially on summer vacation and kind of enjoying it. So I am sorry. Um but I'm home, and now being a teacher, I get to enjoy the the part of the summer where I don't have to uh, go to work. So, sorry if you don't get to do that. But it looks uh, from Twitter, it looks like some of you are out enjoying yourselves as well. So I hope I hope you're doing well. Uh, on today's show, we're going to speak with Aiden Osman. He will join us here shortly, and we'll talk about Virgil Van Dyke. We'll talk about uh, the the manager, whether he's coming or staying or going, or we have somebody coming, and. We'll also look at uh, the, the board and see uh, if, if we're going to have a change in ownership or a majority shareholder uh, coming in to, to, to run the club maybe a bit differently, maybe the same. We'll do the best we can with all of the information that we have. And this has been a weird week for Saints because there's a lot happening and nothing happening at all. We have a bunch of people, uh, you know, we're all getting kind of excited about stuff, but we don't really have a lot of a lot of. Um, information, a lot of solid information. And so for us to do kind of too much would be would be unacceptable because we can't really say uh, with any kind of certainty exactly what's going to happen, but we'll do our best to kind of put it all in perspective and, and provide everybody with the information uh, that we have so that you can go about your day kind of feeling like uh, we're doing okay. Um, so we'll go ahead and get Aiden on the phone here just in, in a moment. And uh, I'd just like to give a shout out to Chris Rand. Uh, if you haven't visited his website, uh, George Ware's Cousin, you can. You should do so. It's georgewarescousin.com. And it, this was his suggestion based on the fact that I was in Utah yesterday or last week. And uh, so the song you hear in the background here is Utah Saints. And it's something good because I just really hope that something good is going to happen to Saints FC today. So uh, with all that being said, let's get Aiden on the phone and talk about Van Dyke, the manager, and the Lander Holdings takeover of Saints FC.
We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Aiden Osman. You can find him on Twitter at Aiden underscore Osman 96, and you can find his writing over at Reed Southampton. Uh, Aiden, welcome back to the show. Thanks for uh, joining me again. Yeah, uh, great to be back. Yeah, I think last time we spoke, it was for the uh, the big, long um, kind of end of season episode, and we talked about uh, a number of things from the manager and the season to all that, but we have... Uh, uh, things are a little bit different right now. We have some things that are still up in the air, but we have the kind of the issue with Van Dyke, uh, the issue with Puel either coming or going and us replacing him, and then we have the Lander takeover that's still kind of up in the air. So talk about all three of those things and uh, get get your thoughts and, and your insight, and uh, that'll be a pretty good wrap-up for, for us to keep us busy for today. Um, do you mind if we go ahead and start with the Van Dyke situation? Yeah, by all means. All right, and I guess before we do that, have you... Uh, you got anything coming down the line or any articles you've written lately that people should either check out or be on the lookout for? Um, there is an article coming out in July time on uh, Southampton's best ever 10 summer signings. So keep for that. I think the list will be quite intriguing to some of the older and the younger fans. All right. I'll look forward to that. Looking at uh, Van Dyke recently, kind of what are your thoughts just initially on, on the entire situation? Um, well, the entire situation is uh, we have a price tag on him, and what they did essentially tapping up the law state for a transfer you have to have permission from the club before you can speak to the player and his agent. Whereas Liverpool didn't have permission from us, that's why we've sent in the complaint, which is why they apologise because that's you know that is against the law. I don't know if the FA are going to punish them. I don't know anything about that. But I know they broke broke the law in that sense. And um, obviously the board weren't happy about it. And Van Dyke, I read the other day that Van Dyke was told he's not going anywhere until next season or next summer. So that, that could be a bonus. But um, yeah, other than Liverpool trying to get him to agree personal terms without having permission to speak to him, that's all as good as I know. Some of those kind of accusations or allegations that came out, uh, I think the Telegraph said some some things about uh, them exchanging like video messages and talking about where Van Dyke would kind of fit in with the team, and the, some of those were coming directly from from Jurgen Klopp, and, and and that is all like that's all against the rules, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's all against the rules because the board didn't give Liverpool any permission to speak to him. That is against the rules. If Liverpool were going to go about this the right way, and it's not like they haven't done business with Southampton before, right? I mean, they they should yeah. kind of know. Everybody should know the rules, but they should definitely know how how to go about kind of doing this. Um, their board should have gone to, or somebody from their club should have approached our board and said, "Hey, we'd like to speak with Van Dyke." And as soon as our board says yes, go ahead, then it's all legal, correct? Yeah, correct. All right. In addition to that, now Liverpool has issued the apology. They have what kind of withdrawn any interest they said. And who knows if that's the truth or not. Um, but now we are also kind of, there are reports out there that Chelsea have done the same thing. Um, do you do you have any more information on that? Or can you provide us any clarity? I think that's just all reports. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure on that one, but I'm sure if they were to the extent of what Liverpool did, then another complaint could be going in because tapping up is against the rules. And, the thing that I saw all over Twitter is Liverpool fans, including Jamie Carragher, trying to defend their actions, saying everyone does it. It's like, not everyone does it, and two, that doesn't make it okay just because everyone else does it. Right. It's a rule for a reason. you know. And I guess, 
I don't know. For me, that's something that's that. That's, that's just wrong, man. Like you, you don't you don't do that because it's hard to. It's a horrible way to get a transfer about because what it does is it turns the player on the club, and then the club essentially don't have any choice but to sell him. Now, I mean, it could turn into a situation kind of like. Not, I'm not saying that Font did this at all, but like, or West Ham did this, but. You know, you, you get in a situation where it's pretty clear that, that the player's focus is not playing for the club at that point, you know? And they, yeah. they are looking elsewhere and they're definitely kind of, you know, wanting to go and, and, and it, it just it seems it seems awful. And it on on one hand, I I cannot understand how this happens. I can't understand how somebody would let this happen. And on the other hand I, I, I totally I totally do get it. Definitely. The whole Fonte situation it was a little bit different though, because I think he was the one that requested to leave before any interest was shown in him. I mean, there was interest in the summer after the Euros, but there wasn't any formal bids or anything. So I assume that it was him. I reckon that can start to him when he handed in the request then, and then West Ham went and took him from there. And, and so if a player hands in a request and the board approves it, then then is does that team or any team still have to approach that the board again to ask for yeah. permission? I'm not entirely sure. I think they'd have to have an fee agreed before they can actually speak to the player themselves. All right. And I don't know if this is relevant or not, but like if somebody, you know, say Van Dyke's got a friend on the team or somebody he's already, you know, say he plays with someone on the national team or whatever, and, you know, he's messaging them or talking to them and they're trying to, they're saying, hey, why don't you think about this? Is that still illegal or, or you know, no? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's essentially the same aspect because it still depends if the club are actually interested in him then yes but if it's this oh it'd be great to play with you on like a club you can come play with us that's that's not because every footballer does that right okay i mean that's that's how the whole ricky lambert to liverpool went on because steven derrard talked to him about it uh on the plane but that's that's a different kind of tapping up if you, if you get what i'm saying yeah, yeah. It, it, different if it's a club official versus somebody you you know and play with outside. So yeah, all right. And then I don't know. Some people were making a, a fairly big deal over over what Van Dyke was doing with the uh, the pondering picture uh, that got that got trending uh, on Twitter at least a little bit. And um, I don't know. Like, has this changed maybe your perception of him at all uh, of, of the player, or, or are you still you know how do you feel about him at this point? Well, to be honest, he's the best player in the squad. You know, we, we, he's going to go eventually. I think if you don't understand that, then there, there's no point. But you, you don't know what was said between him and the board officials. Like, no idea. Because, you know, for all we know, if Liverpool are going to go behind the scenes and, you know, do things doggedly, who who's to say that they, they said to Van Dyke that they did have permission or what? You know, so... I think it's understandable to be upset because obviously Liverpool are a massive club. However, I think the board are trying to turn around and say, "Well, look, if you come, if you if you stay for this season, which you are going to, we won't accept any bids. You're going to have a year as captain under your belt. You're going to have more Premier League experience. You're going to get a bigger and better team like coming coming in for you. And you're going to rather than trying to put for top four, you're going to be in a team that wants to win the league. I think it's a lot for him to ponder." You know, he hasn't played, you know, in, in several months and he's sitting around and he's in, I don't know, man, you sign that big, long contract, you get the captain's armband and then, 
I don't know. It, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't seem right to, to do that. And then immediately look elsewhere. I, I have to think he signed that big long contract with the understanding that he would be here for a set number of years with knowledge that he would then be kind of, then he could move on. And, and, but then to me at the same time, moving to Liverpool just doesn't, it almost like it's, he's too good to make that little jump, you know? Well, when he initially signed the contract, they did a uh, they did an interview with him on the club's YouTube channel, and he said then that he'd like to stay for a couple of years. So it was obvious to me then that he wasn't going to seal out like the whole of his contract. But becoming captain wasn't more sort of his his fault. It was it was sort of sprung on him because obviously with Fonte gone. And then they gave it to him because obviously he'd been captain in the team in the Europa League. So I think that's how that came about. But I don't know. It's it's always hard. He's been he's been bored since January because obviously he can't play because he's been injured. He, all he can do is get himself back to full fitness. Now it's the summer, and what well, he can have his summer break and try and get back to fitness again then. And then he can have pre-season with us. And then go into the opening day of the season with the captain's armband. I think. Do you think that he will still be the captain, even after all this? I think so. To be honest, he's still he's still a good leader. Um, you know, Steve, Steven Gerrard left wanted to leave Liverpool for Chelsea at one point. He's, he became, he was their captain for God knows how many years. Um, I think it's only natural that in today's modern day football other clubs get in players' heads. And I think he just needs time to it all calm down and to accept that he's going to be here and do the best for the club. And if he's going to do that, then there's no reason taking the captain's armband off him if he's the best leader on that pitch. Yeah, and like you said, he is the best player in the squad. Yeah, hands down. And one of the best players in the entire Premier League, I think. And it seemed like some of the things that I was seeing on Twitter, people wanted him gone. Like they just said, if you're attention's not going to be here, then you need to go elsewhere. And I think a little bit of that is the the kind of holdover from, from Font, uh, kind of being not looking like himself after the Euros, you know, and just kind of think, not... Go ahead. I think, well, Fonte always said when he came out after that he left, he was, he was always ready to play. He was always committed. I mean, he did love the club. He was here for, um, he was here for seven years. You know, he he does he adored the club, he adored the fans, but something must not have gone right in the backroom stuff to make him want to go from as far as I know, whether it's the manager or what. But you know, those sort of situations come about. It doesn't mean that they don't value the club any less. Like when when they step out on that pitch, it's a completely different kettle of fish. You're not going to play badly because. If you think about it, if you're playing badly for your current club, what, what club's going to want to sign you if you're not in your best form? Correct. For me, I always just thought, like, he played so, so well for us, especially those two years under Kuman, and then he played yeah. outstandingly in the in the Euros, and then it seemed like he, that form didn't carry over to the season. And I think for me, the easiest way to justify it was, like, well, he, his head just wasn't quite right or something was going on or whatever, but that's probably unfair for me to say because there's only so much that we know about the whole situation, like like you said. So um, I guess for me, I was just trying to make sense of, of, of why, what, what what accounts for that drop in, in form, you know? Um, I ran a, a little poll on, on Twitter just to see what people were saying because it seemed like a lot of people wanted him gone, but almost 70% of the people said, no, keep him, keep him around. 
whether it's he gets to say captain or not, that was a little more split. But you know, only only just over thirty percent of the people wanted him wanted him gone. And you're okay, like you said, you're okay with keeping him around. You think he still should be our captain and, and lead us out? Definitely. I think if we can build a team around the player of that quality, then it moves massive footsteps of the club and where we want to be. And I think the thing is, you need to if you keep him around, then if players are going to start looking at us and think, then they're not just step in the same club anymore. They look like they want to go places. So it could, it, it could work in that sense as well. At any point, do you think that us being seen as a stepping stone has actually helped us sign some players that want to break into the Premier League and want to play for you know uh, one of those teams that's traditionally in the top four or five? Oh, definitely. But I think when when you look at a club that's been selling on to a top four or five club and they turn around and said no to one of them, that's going to go a bit more ambition because that's going to show that the club wants to put on and try and get in there themselves. All right. You know, I, I want him to stay. I don't want him to move on yet. I kind of thought when he got injured that we'd have another year with him for sure because people are going to want to make sure before they pay close to record-setting fees for a defender that he's really everything that he should be, especially, you know, because John Snones isn't. And <laughs> um, I don't know. I'd like to see him come back and, and play well and then and then move on. You know, he's going to move on at some point, like you said, and I think he'll be, he'll be just fine. But I think he probably should remain our captain. Just because I think I think that's that's the role he needs to he's he's going to fill. I mean, he's 25. He's still got the probably the best years of his career ahead of him, assuming this injury doesn't set him back too far. And uh, hopefully we can we can do some damage with him uh, in, in the squad this year. Yeah, well, I think it'd be ideal for both parties if he was to stay and to be captain. Because if he stays and gets captain, he gets more experience, and he'll get bigger clubs looking for him, and then it means we'll get more money for him, which is never a bad thing. Right. Now, I guess another thing is, do you think that when he joined the club, I mean, the way Kuman left last summer, like nobody saw that coming, right? That wasn't something that was planned. So do you think that maybe when the new manager came in, even though he was made captain at some point during the Europa League and then after, do you think that maybe, you know, Kuman played a part in him or a role in him coming to the club and then he was kind of like, well, he's not here anymore now and I'll go elsewhere? It's a possibility. I mean, Kuman said that he admired him the season before as well. So Kuman was the one that wanted him. As far as that, well, and they obviously get, they must have got on pretty well because they're both Dutch and, you know, they, they'll have some certainties in common. Uh-huh. You're not entirely sure because when, when you play for a club and then suddenly the management goes and it's a different manager, can set some players gone. But I think players have to remain professional which Van Dyke has done, and he's not—he's not said anything about the manager. And you know, although his tactics have been questionable, and that Van Dyke is still, you know, shown his worth in a poor season for the club. Yeah, and sometimes it's—it's—it's it's, it's hard to 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 figure out. You know, is it you know, what what exactly attracted the player to the club? And sometimes, you know, a player might come to the club because the manager wants him, or they have a good rapport with the manager, or they play with him elsewhere. Um, and then, you know, they find that they like other things, whether it's, you know, whether it's the other players they're playing with or, or the way the club is structured or whatever. So, so who, who really knows, but it's hard not to make that connection for me. They're, they're both Dutch defenders. They're both, you know, Kuman was a, a fantastic player. And so for him to come in and kind of learn from him, I thought that would make me want to go there if I had that connection with a, with a, with a manager. But, um, I guess kind of on the, 
the subject of managers, you want to go ahead and move on and talk about what's going on uh, with ours, current and possibly yeah. future? <laughs> well, as, as far as I know about Claude, he's on holiday at the moment. And St. Etienne have been allowed to speak to him and the club in regards to becoming their new manager. The way I I think the figure was thrown out around eight million euros, it was the um, the fee that Saint Etienne would have to pay if they wanted to uh, break his contract. So you see, which is roughly about seven or six million in pounds. Uh, so if the club do want to sack him, I think that will be the fee that will have to be spent. I think with uh, the former Dortmund manager who's been heavily looked to now. Um, He's a free agent, so there's no, there's no sort of having to get compensation. It's just having to. I think the way it's going about is if Claude is to go, he's only going to go if the replacements in place already agreed. Kind of like when Nigel Abkins got sacked and we brought in Maurizio Pochettino. So that that's how I see it working. I can only see Puel going if another manager is in the pipeline ready to take it straight away rather than having to search around for a manager like we did last summer. Right. And, and so if Puel is to go, I guess the, the, the exact kind of order of, of things here is, is important because if we, if we choose just to sack him, then we have to pay comp- compensation to him, correct? Yeah, we would have to because we'd be terminating his contract. But if Saint Etienne come in and say like no, we would like him and we agree, then Saint Saint Etienne have to actually pay us to get rid of him, uh, and, yeah. And bring and so they'll bring him in for a fee, kind of just like a player transfer fee, right? And yeah, then and then we would have you know a little bit of extra money, and that would probably go towards you know God knows what. But it seems like like our front office does a lot more with transfers than our manager does. Is that is that kind of how it, it goes at Southampton yeah. for the most part? point at last summer we were signing players when we didn't have a manager and I think I think for me that showed a lot about their belief in Claude that if they're not going to let I mean like out of the players that he's brought in I mean he brought in Jeremy P.A. who was with him at OGC Nice uh, Sofiane Buffal from Lille I think it was he signed him from uh-huh. and then Manolo Gabbiadini I think that was more sort of a Les Reed signing I'm I'm not entirely sure they're letting him bring in the players he wanted. Essentially, I think it's more sort of the Les Reed and the club and the scouts doing it, rather than letting the manager do it because he's a coach, not a manager. Right, and that and that seems to be kind of the new kind of way of, of doing things. It seems like if you look at Arsenal and look at Arsene Wenger, he brings in, you know, he he's kind of responsible for all of that. But this kind of new style of, of manager, like you said, not really a manager, but more of a, a coach, a, a tactician. He's supposed to be on the on the pitch doing the training and all that stuff and, and let the front office take care of the scouting and all this other stuff. Because otherwise, with all the information that's out there and all the stats and everything else, it's hard to keep up with all that stuff and still do your job kind of on the pitch. I still think a managing bit should be bringing in their own players and their own style of squad. I think I think Koeman brought in his own players. I mean, he brought in Graziano from Feyenoord. He brought in uh, Jordi Klassi from Feyenoord. He brought in Van Dijk from Celtic, who he knew. He brought in Tadic from the Dutch league, which he knew. Uh, Martino was cover from the Dutch league, which he knew. And then, obviously, Austin had a good season in his first season, so we brought him in in the January following year. Um, I, th- I think that he knew 
the players he wanted to bring in, but I don't think Claude's that type of coach or manager, which is why it essentially hasn't worked out for him. The next guy we have to bring in has to be one that wants to bring in his own players, his own methodology, and his own style of play. I think it is important, especially if you have a system you want you want to play, and that's not clearly articulated to the board, and the board is just bringing in players that they think are going to be a good fit, and you, it doesn't work, then it, it reflects poorly on the manager initially because that's what we see on the pitch. You know, we see that it doesn't work, and you know sometimes it might not be all of his all of his fault. It could be you know as a result of, of other things going on. So, um, do you think he's he's gone? Do you think Puel leaves this summer? Uh, I think so, yes. I don't think he's... Well, he's done what the club have asked for. He got the top half finished. He's brought in... He's brought through youth. Um, but for me, I think he's as good as gone. I think the the fans have majority turned on him. I mean, he got booed quite a lot towards the end of the season. Um, you know, the, fan, the fans have really just been... I mean, I remember at Middlesbrough away, we were all just uh, taking taking the piss really when when we actually scored you know singing half it was DB we scored a goal and I don't think no I think that sends a message through that it's a yes it's part of the players but the manager's the one that puts them in the style of system and you know tells them how to set up and what to do and you know he has to take the brunt of it at the end of the day yeah yeah um for a long time I wasn't sure he was going to leave but I I kind of it seems more likely that he would go. And especially with, you know, when the, when the fans get to that point and it becomes clear that the majority of the fans that are attending the matches aren't happy. Once that happens, I don't think, you know, even if he is a decent coach and he can, he can do a lot of things. Maybe it's just not a good fit. You know, maybe it just doesn't, it hasn't quite worked out and he needs to go somewhere else and do his job, you know, there and be fine and we'll move on and we'll be fine. And it can all just end that way, but we will, we will see. And, Kind of, I'm kind of hoping that happens because it doesn't. I don't think the fans will be happy if he sticks around. No, I don't. I think they will. But the great, the great thing about our fans is, even if they're not here, they will still. Well, even if they're not entirely agreed, they'll still get behind the club and still back and come on that day. And I think that's, you know, that's what the fans have to do if he is going to be here next season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, kind of moving on, on under the premise that he is, he's leaving. We've been linked with with Tuchel, former Borussia Dortmund manager. To you, how how does he fit into kind of the structure at Southampton? Does he does he kind of fit the mold of what you would think a manager would do, and, and maybe something that, somebody that could be successful that, uh, at Southampton? Definitely, I think with the style of play. I mean, you know, it, it, it's essentially we'd be, we'd be playing a high press game again. You know, which we haven't seen for this season. You know, we'd be pl- we'd be playing a high press, we'd be playing an attacking tempo. Um, you know, we've got a manager who can win things. He's just, I mean, he's just, his last game in front of uh, for Dortmund, he won the cup. You know, he's he's very experienced. He's a he's a good level of a coach as well. I mean, you don't get the Dortmund job if you're not. Um, he likes he's he's got his own philosophy. You know, he knows how the team will want to play. And you know the players at Dortmund like playing under him, and I don't think that's a bad thing to have in our club. Now, is there anything about his his style? Because I I I like watching Dortmund play whenever they are on. They're not always on in the United States. They're on more now because of Christian Pulisic, and the Fox likes to show the U.S. men's national team players whenever they can, and they play you know 
a pretty high tempo game, a lot of attacking, a lot of stuff like that. But he was upset, I think, with the board at at selling on some of their some of their players, especially because I think they were selling a lot of players to Bayern Munich, which is kind of you know when you're when you're selling your players to your biggest rival, that you know you're only widening the gap between between you and them. But does that worry you at all? The the fact that that's part of the reason he left. I'm not uh, sure what was said between him and the board. I think it wasn't so. He, I think they sort of fell out over something. But because um, I'm not sure if you know, but well, I don't know if you how many years ago it was. But Borussia Dortmund were in the you know there's at one point are going under, and then Bayern gave them the money to get back up and running, and that's why there's an agreement where if uh, Bayern bid for a player from Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund cannot say no. Really? So that's how it works. Yeah, that's how that works between them two clubs. That's why so many players have come from Dortmund to Bayern over the years. I'm not entirely sure how it, how or what happened. Right. Uh, with with him and the board, but you know, I think if our board are saying no to Salonarbes, player, they can't. You know, I don't think he's going to have that problem here, especially with an impending takeover with more money coming into the club. Right, right. I guess I was I was not fully aware of the uh, of the history between Bayern Munich and and Dortmund, but it does kind of ring a bell uh, once you start talking about it. But if it is transfer policy and it is the fact that players are moving out of Borussia Dortmund, I can't think that he's going to come to Southampton without the understanding that sometimes, you know in recent years, oftentimes our best players do get sold. But with the takeover pending or possibly happening, the influx of money and us saying no to the Van Dyke transfer, I think that would be encouraging to, to any coach trying to come in. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Overall, do you think with youth at, at Borussia Dortmund, that, that seems to fit, like you said, the high-tempo pressing kind of style of play seems to fit. Overall, you think he would he would be okay? You think he would be? Yeah, I think he'd be. An up, I, I think he'd be in a bit of an upgrade. I think he would. I think he'd be sort of on the level that Kuma was, possibly a little bit higher. I mean, I think if we got that in, we'd be say pushing a lot harder for Europa League, and we'd probably be you know anywhere between fifth to seventh next season. I'd say if if he was the manager in charge. And I think it would be a, a different fifth to seventh. You know, then we we talked, then we saw it this year. You know, I think because, like we said, the style would just be completely different. And, and you know, I think if you draw three three, you're probably a little bit more excited than if you draw nil nil at home. You know, definitely. I think that's that's a big thing of why fans go to watch football matches, especially neutrals. They want to go to be entertained. They don't want to go and sit and watch a nil nil draw. You know, where someone misses a penalty in the last minute. <laughs> um. I ha- I was able to go watch uh, our men's national team this past this past week for the first time. I'm sitting there the first half, and they're attacking towards the end of the field that I'm on, and it just kind of seemed slow, patient build up, pass the ball back to the center back, defensive midfielder drops back in, in between the two center backs, and it's just like, oh man, like I've seen this before. And then we went down one nil, and it's just like this is not <laughs> this is not what I want to see. But they turned it around the second half. They uh, it was a friendly, it was a warm-up match for the World Cup qualifiers, so they were able to make, they made six changes and um, wound up previewing kind of what they did against Mexico last night. And they played okay in the end, and then on Thursday, last Thursday, they played much better and uh, managed to win against a, a, 
tour Trinidad and Tobago side. And then they drew that last night at Mexico. So I can't, I can't complain too much, but the whole time I was sitting there and I have a friend who is, um, a Liverpool fan and he just kept elbowing me. He goes, does this look, does this look familiar? And I just kept telling him, you know, shut up. I don't want to talk about it, but and unless you have anything else on the manager, I guess move on and talk a little bit about the takeover as much as uh, we know. It's a waiting game from now on. It's just, for me, it's not if, it's when, when it all happens and it's just waiting. Yeah. And like, I should say that we've, we've waited kind of as long as possible to record this before we can, we do it because we want, we want news to come out about it, but nothing's happening and we gotta, we gotta put it out. So we're, we're here doing it with what the information that we have. And on the kind of the same note, the uh, the takeover talks, you know, ramped up again last week and then kind of have died back down a little bit. But uh, what can you tell us about the the Lander Holdings takeover of, of Southampton or sale? I shouldn't say takeover. Um, well, it's been approved by the Premier League. So they have permission to come in and buy the club. It's it all it is. All it boils down to now is the agreement fee of taking over and then how they would run the club and sort of stuff because they they control the money they want. Katrina can still say no. I think it's just a discussion of how they are going to run the club and then transitioning into the takeover. I think Katrina is still going to hold on to something like 20%. You know, I kind of don't think Katrina would just be selling it to anybody. You know, it doesn't seem like she's, you know, and, and, and I think it's come out that she, you know, maybe doesn't, they don't have all of the, the funds behind them, you know, to just, to just run the club. Like it's a, a big, huge club. We, we have to sell players sometimes, but maybe this money will allow us to kind of push forward and make that kind of next jump, which is kind of where we all want the club to go. And I think the latest numbers that I've seen for it have been something like 190 million pounds for, for 80% of the club. And like you said, the premier league had to approve it. And I think that's where it got held up last time. Uh, like you know, last time this all flared up, but the people were saying that it wasn't going to go through that way. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's all gone through now. It's all been approved now. It's just there. Discuss. It's all down to the negotiations between the two parties. To as and when it comes about, I can't. I mean, it was reported last week that deals as good as done. If it, if it's being approved, I'd imagine that Katrina and her representatives are you know, okay to sell it to this party, just agreeing what happens when once they're in charge. Obviously, Lander Holdings is not going to approach the Premier League and say, like, hey, I'd like to buy Southampton, is that okay? Without talking to Southampton first, right? Like, there yeah. there had to be some sort of discussion and they, and they probably have to submit some sort of, you know, bid or, or paperwork or whatever, a proposal to the Premier League. Premier League has to say yes, and then they go back to kind of ironing out the details. Is that is that kind of the process as far as you understand it? Yeah, the way it works is the Premier League are just making sure that they're not going to come in and strip us of our assets and then disappear because that's the last thing that the Premier League wants to happen to any of its clubs. And I think, you know, I'm sure they're not going to do that. I mean, I hope they won't do that. Um, So I think it's just a matter of waiting to see when everything's agreed and uh, announced. All right, and... I guess kind of on that note, we got a question from a listener, Bob Brown, who's at RSBrown80 on Twitter, asks us, do you believe that the pending takeover is holding up normal summer business and will it cost us, i.e. in the hiring of manager, transfers, etc.? What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, well, it's a definite possibility. I mean, I'm not entirely sure, but I don't think Les Reed would 
not want the club to carry on until the new take. I mean, you want to leave it in the best possible place before you move you move on. And I think, you know, it could it couldn't hold up, but it's very possible because you don't know how they're going to want it and come and do things. So it's fifty fifty. You know, it it could be, and the club could be well. You know, do you, do you want us to go in and bring in, you know, our players and do this, this and this? You know, which could be getting rid of Puel and then bringing in Tuchel or another manager. And then, um, you know, bringing in some players with him. Or do you want us to leave it until you've taken over and then you make the big decisions your way? So it, it could very well be and it could, you know, it could hold it up. We We don't really know what is being said between the two parties. Right. You hope that they would be, that all this would kind of be talked about, you know, beforehand. And I guess with them coming in and doing this, the, the would change a little bit. Obviously they would have a much larger say in what goes on, but you kind of think that they have to be watching Southampton over the past few years and looking at it going like things are going in the right direction. It would be foolish of them to come in and, and just decide to blow it all up, you know? Um, so hopefully they will, they will kind of, leave things kind of, I guess, mostly as is and allow business to carry on. But it has to be on the back of, or in the back of some people's minds, uh, whether it's the new manager coming in or uh, Puel going out or players possibly looking to come or go, that this could make uh, a difference because if you have a big influx of money, all of a sudden, maybe now you hold on to Van Dyke, you hold on to, to Bertrand or some of the other players that have been reported to go elsewhere. And maybe make maybe make a big signing. You know, you make a big signing, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa! Like this changes things possibly. Definitely, I think you know we've got to the point now where we need to spend big money. Everyone else around us is doing it. I mean, our record transfers what sixteen, seventeen million. You know, we need to break that twenty million mark soon if we want to compete. Because otherwise, we're not going to be able to. I mean, team. Not even teams around. I mean, Crystal Palace spent thirty-two million on Christian Benteke, and they finished on the bottom half of the table. You know, if they can go out and spend that kind of money, albeit they had Alan Pardew in charge, I've no happen to him now. But I think he's he's he's, dan- he's he's dancing somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. You never know. Um, I think we need to go in and start buying players of that sort of price tag to show our intent and to improve the squad. Yeah, and I think take nothing away from our our, our transfer business um, or our scouting because they've done a fantastic job of, of finding players and, and making good signings that have really, for the most part, worked out. But sometimes you have to send a message to. Sometimes you get to the point where you build the squad up, and then you need you just need that one extra piece. And sometimes you have to just go out and take that chance and do it. And we haven't quite done that yet, you know. No. Uh, but maybe this will be maybe this will be the influx that we need to to do that. So. Uh, we can only kind of hope, I guess. I think if we were to do it, it'd be a massive turning point in the club. I think that would be that would be the transition from going from a stepping stone club to a club that wants to push on and compete at the very top. Yeah, yeah. Every time I read anything about the tra- about the uh, the takeover, it, it it easiest way to say is I get nervous about it. You know, I look at it and it kind of makes me go like I don't know, like. But it could be really, really good, or it could just be it maybe. I mean, maybe nothing changes, but or maybe everything changes for better or worse. But I, I'm I'm just not sure. I know it's always fifty-fifty. It can go one way or the other. It can even go really negative, or it gets all excited. 
you know, I'd hoped, I'd like to think they'd come in and do the right thing and, you know, keep pushing the club forward and then do it that way. But we we just don't know. And, you know, and it's a risk. You know, everything in football realistically is a risk. And, uh, you know, we just need to hope that, they, that it pays off if it is to go through. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, uh, you have any other any other news you'd like to, to discuss while we're here? Or you, does that pretty much do it? I think that's pretty much everything covered news-wise. I mean, that that I can think of other than Liverpool apparently being interested in Toussaint Tadic, but I don't think that's anything to be concerned about. Um, all right, well, I guess that, that, that does it for us then for, for this episode, and thank you for, for joining the, sh- the show again. I appreciate you doing it, especially on such short notice. Uh, no, it's completely fine. You know, just, yeah, whenever you need me, just come back, and I'll, I'll uh, come back and do it all again. All right, all right. Uh, thanks again, and I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Okay. But later. See you later. And that will do it for another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. I'd like to thank you all for joining us. Thank you for listening. Thank you to my guest, Aiden Osman. You can find him on Twitter at Aiden underscore Osman 96. You can find all of his writing at Reed Southampton. And uh, he'll have a few articles coming out soon, so be sure to be on the lookout. They are always uh, a good read. And we were talking about kind of the lack of information that we had this week. Where there were lots of rumors, lots of things circulating, but nothing really concrete. And sure enough, in the time uh, between when Aiden and I spoke and now, Jason McCarthy has left the club and joined Barnsley on a three-year deal. Um, and I'm sure that he will be a good fit there. I'm sure he will go on and continue his career. He's a good young player, so um, best of luck to him. And uh, although we won't be seeing him in a Saint shirt, probably again, uh, I do wish him the best of luck. And in terms of everything else, in terms of Van Dyke and the manager and the takeover, uh, I'm sure when the club has some information that is concrete and they can announce, I'm sure they will. And, uh, you know, but I think at this point we take, we take the new kits. We take just about anything. We take fixtures. Uh, we'll, we'll take just about anything. So if you're looking to get in touch with the show or give us any feedback you have, uh, you can do so on Twitter at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y, or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC Del Ivory. Um, also, if you haven't subscribed to our feed already, if you're just downloading each episode as it comes out manually, um, they have things to make that easier. And you can find uh, the show on almost any podcast platform that you like to use, uh, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or some other podcast app. Uh, we're all we're there. Uh, easiest way probably to search Del Ivory with two L's. Uh, make sure it doesn't autocorrect, and uh, we should come up just just like that. So, um, I guess until next time. Just remember that together we march on and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for listening. And now here is Utah Saints bringing you something good. Good.